We're going to do a, just a great big flyover this week. It's just an introduction for Hebrews. And um, you'll get more into it next week. What time? I just looked at my watch. Okay, it's 10. All right. So we're going to fly over this. Basically, we don't know who wrote Hebrews. Let's just say that. We could go into, there's, you, you could look up all different articles and different scholars. Everybody has their opinion. I'm going to give you my opinion. Uh, we don't know who wrote it, and we really don't know exactly the, the group of people that it was written to. So there you go. So um, let me give you, we're just going to do a little historical background, and then we're going to get into the recipients. We're going to talk about them a little more and a little bit about the author. So if you think about when Jesus died, scholars also disagree. It's like uh, AD 30 to 33, okay? And then who knows what happened in 70 AD? Yes, so the temple was destroyed. Okay, so if you think about the New Testament, like the temple was a big deal, okay, for, for, all, for all of Scripture. So we think... It generally, roughly speaking, it's hard. Every scholar has a different date on things. Most of the New Testament was written before the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. Otherwise, they would have mentioned it. It was a big deal, especially Hebrews, when we're talking so much about the Old Testament. So we're going to date this book earlier than 70 AD. So if you think about that, if Jesus died in 30 um, and then the destruction of the temple, 70. How many years is that? 40 years. Okay, so somewhere in there, uh, we're going to say it was written somewhere in the 60s. And um, there's a couple of things that happened that I want you to think about as you're thinking about who the recipients were. So uh, there was a Roman emperor, Claudius, who expelled all the Jews from Rome somewhere in the 40s. So it could be that some of these people were part of that, okay? So we're now like in maybe, maybe we're in the year 62 or 63, something like that, that, the, that Hebrews was written. It's hard to say. But in uh, the late 40s, um, there, so the Jews were expelled from Rome. And so now there are, um, the, there are the, the Hebrews or the Jewish uh, people that have moved back, Christians. There's another thing that's, gonna, that's about to happen. Nero is coming on the scene. And uh, what do we know about Nero? He was horrible. He was horrible. He burned Christians um, as lights for his um, party parties. And then, does anybody know from their history about, um, about the fire that happened? He set a fire in the city, and who did he blame? The Christians. Okay, so now this hasn't, it doesn't seem like this has happened yet in the book of Hebrews, but I'm suspecting that this was on the scene. You know when there's a ruler who's ruthless, who's coming on the scene? And so the fire was um, in AD 64. And so if you can imagine a political situation where you're thinking, are they going to expel me again from this, the city? Um, and then 
just not even knowing how ruthless and evil um, Nero was, but there had to have been underlying currents of things are going to get really bad. Okay, so as you're reading through Hebrews, you've got to think that these people are fearing for their lives because they've experienced it once before and they don't know what's coming, but we're, so we're somewhere around in, in there for our time frame. Just to bring that home a little bit, um, as I'm thinking about current situation, this is going to be really applicable to us. So in the last election, who was, um, I'm not going to get political, I'm just going to say, who was, um, who did they say put Trump in power? Evangelical Christians, <laughs> right? Right? And so as the next election comes up, I think Christians are going to be the scapegoat for all that's bad in the world. It's like, well, those Christians, whether you participated in that or not, that it's going to have a political toll. And so as you're reading through this, you can think there might be some things, some persecution that might be coming our way a little bit. This book is going to give you strength to stand firm and stand firm in your theology. Okay, so most of the people that received a letter, it's called Hebrews because they were the, um, the Jews, the Hebrews, um, the Jewish, but they were believers. So if you read, it's a bit like a puzzle. You can put together different pieces about he knows, he or she knows the, um, the people. He knows what the, um, he knows or them personally. They send greetings uh, let's see. Okay, so these are not uh, going to be eyewitnesses of Jesus. This is all going to be secondhand information. They don't have any New Testament. They have this letter. They might have other letters, but they have this letter. It's possibly, uh, scholars think it's a house church that's in Rome because of um, it's the, some of the things mentioned you can as you're piecing your puzzle pieces together that it talks about them being in a city so it starts out like a uh, sermon and then it kind of ends like a letter so it's a it's a really unique book now the author was highly educated in rhetoric now rhetoric was just um, the way that you uh, made a speech and the arguments that you made it's said that the first sentence in the book of Hebrews is the most perfect Greek sentence in all of the New Testament. So this person that was the author is highly educated. And um, you'll see that as we go through in the way that they make their arguments. It's like it's this is better than. Um, it's just the argument uh, process is just really phenomenal to look at. There's more Old Testament references in the book of Hebrews than in any other New Testament book. Um, so like I said, it starts out like a sermon. So the author says they're giving a word of exhortation, which would be a sermon. But at the end, he's sending greetings, like it's a letter. So it's, it's really interesting. And so the author seems to know the detailed past about the groups. Sometimes you'll see in there it says we. we oh, who's the we? Is it? because they know the people? Is it two people that are writing the letter? Uh, we don't know. 
Um, there's uh, lots of different um, theories. Uh, my friend Sue said one of her professors in college wrote his whole, was it PhD or his uh, dissertation? Yeah, father -in -law. Yeah. Your father-in-law. I thought it was your yeah. Dr. Sanchez. He wrote so if, Dallas Seminary told him just to stop at a certain point. He kept writing. <laughs> so if you want more about who wrote it, you can talk to Suze. <laughs> um, this is my guess. So nobody knows. Nobody knows. So this is who, this is who I want it to be. <laughs> I want it to be Priscilla. I just, I just heard a whole thing on that. Priscilla and Aquila. Um, isn't it interesting? They're mentioned seven times in the New Testament, and Priscilla, the wife, is always mentioned first, which is unheard of. And uh, why else would you not write your name on something? Because if in that day, um, you know, it might not, people might not, uh, you know, think it valid or anything. We don't know, but I like to think maybe it was Priscilla. <laughs> but you can have your own guess. Let's see, well, a couple other things. Okay, let me think what's important here and then we'll, and then we'll move on. I'm gonna to touch really briefly on just a theological phrase that I want you to just to think about, typology. So here's a really beautiful example of typology. So the book of Hebrews is filled with it. It, it holds up something as a type and then, and then it says, Jesus is better. You're going, to learn, you're going to learn all of that. Jen Wilkins' study, her study is actually called Better. I think we just called ours Hebrews. <laughs> so uh, a really great example of that would be the Exodus. All right, so Moses took um, a group of people who were slaves and physically rescued them out of slavery. Okay, that's a picture for us as Christians that's a type of what Christ does for us as he rescues us from our slavery to sin. Okay? So that's an easy one that you can... Ooh, I heard I have beeping and it was my, my alarm must be... <laughs> it's time to stop. <laughs> so typology is that that's the, that's the way that we're learning. Like when we talk about the priesthood and we're going to say Jesus is better. That's just a theological term you can throw out to your friends, telling them what you're learning in your class. Um, so we want to think about, you know, what is Jesus better than in our lives? What things do we put ahead of our relationship with Christ or Christ? or Jesus, the way he um, tells us to love other people. Sometimes we think, well, yeah, but that doesn't feel really good right now. This anger feels really good right now. And so I'm going to go with this. I'm going I'm to, you know, after I settle down, I'm going to go with um, the way Jesus wants me to do it. But for right now, I really want to be angry at this person. So sometimes it's as small as that. Sometimes you think in the moment, I don't really want to discipline my kids right now because... I'm tired. But in the, uh, the discipleship is the peace that God has charged us with. Sometimes we just want our way. I'd like my way rather than, uh, than, than doing it um, anyone else's way or Jesus. So sometimes we put ourselves over what God wants. So think about that. What about social media? Is that something that's maybe out of balance in our lives? 
that God's saying, you know what, maybe you need to have a little more balance in your life, more Bible study, less Snapchatting. Do, do women Snapchat? No, just kids. My, my daughter's trying to get me to Snapchat with them. All right, you're younger. <laughs> it's a generational thing, that's fun. But there, you have to, just have to think about, uh, about balance in, our, in your life, in whatever it is. It's going to be different for each one of you. So you want to think as we go through this, what is Jesus better than in your life that might be a little bit out of balance? Let's look at that very first um, sentence, which covers the first four. Turn to your uh, Hebrews, the first four uh, verses. And all we're going to do right now is we're just going to pick out some of the themes. And then, we're, um, and then I'm going to talk about the warning passages a little bit. So tell me, just shout out, what are some of the themes that, are in the, that we can look at? That if we were going to do um, a study or you were going to write a paper, what's some of the themes that you could pick out? Like I'll just pick the prophets. We could write, we could write an essay on the prophets, right? So that could be a theme. Um, that we're going to talk about. What other things are themes in the first four verses? Just shout them out. Say it again. Someone spoke. God spoke. That's an amazing thing to think through. Who else had one? Creation. Yep. And creator. Those, those themes are in there. The last days. Jesus, yes. Yes, that's going to come up a lot. Yes. There's purification, sins, um, angels. We're going to talk about that a lot next week. Jesus' name. There's so much in there that we could, we could go through and we're not going to. Uh, but you could, if you wanted to, this is one of the ways that I really like to study is um, I don't love, um, I don't always love pre-printed questions because um, you're really studying what the author of the study is learning. And some things are not as interesting to me as others. That's just my personality. Some people love to like, I don't know, I just want to go right by the questions. But I love to think through themes. And so I've got a list going in my binder of all the themes per chapter. And so to me, that's interesting. So then I can kind of see which themes come out um, more, which ones we hit again. So if you like a challenge, that could be something you could do. Add a little extra page in your notebook and uh, write down the themes. But like I said, I'm happy to have you study Hebrews however God made you to study Hebrews. And um, some might go further, some might do less. We just want to encourage you in your faith wherever you are. Okay, let's talk about the warning passages because as you read through, those can be a little um, scary when it talks about, um, so the, the issue is whether or not you can lose your faith. <laughs> like that's, that's a big deal as you're reading through these warning passages. That's why I said if you want to Google that and um, look at the Gospel Coalition website, there's a lot of, um, there's a, it, it, it goes through it. I want you to not be wondering if, if, this, is, um, if this is just a, a 
a small sin that you've done or what, you know, I just want to just to name it right off the bat. They're really talking about apostasy, which is turning your back on the faith. Okay. That's what the parts that it's like, well, it looks like you could possibly walk away from the faith. We're going to get into all of that. But I want you to know as you're reading through and you're like, this is a little bit like, I'm not sure what's happening the big sin that he's warning against is apostasy. Okay, we're going to get into all that. I just want you not to be wondering about that. One other thing, as you're reading through, um, remember Michael said a couple weeks ago his favorite Greek word was pistis. This is the word faith. And we're going to be coming all, all across this a lot. I want you to also be thinking not just faith, like intellectually, I believe something. But as you read that word in different parts, I also want you to be thinking faithfulness. So it's not just your faith. As we go through chapter 11, it talks about their faith, but you'll also see it has an underlying meaning of faithfulness. So the English, um, the people that translated, they had to pick one word. And so, um, but you know, in different languages, some languages you, you can't, you can't um, just say everything that it means. For example, there's three different words for love in the Greek, and we just have one. So uh, as you're reading through, thinking about faith, I also want you to think about faithfulness. Okay, so here's your application for today. <laughs> Have good, solid theology. Have good, solid theology. That's going to carry you through um, times of doubt, times of persecution. You'll come back to what you know is right. You know that you know. This is what we're doing together. We're grounding ourselves in God's word. And um, we want you all to have good, solid theology. Okay, you're just going to have a little bit of time to introduce yourselves to your groups, and um, then we can just have your small group leaders pray over you at the end uh, that we would all be grounded in our faith, that we could learn from one another, encourage one another. Um, and so I'm going to uh, just, I, rather than me pray again, I'm going to let you guys just go to your groups. If you have any other questions, come up and see me. Thank you.